thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're continuing with this maturity series. We've called it James, or the book of James, a line in the sand. In other words, there are things that sometimes you draw a line in the sand and you say, I'm, I, I'm not going any further or I'm not letting anything come over here with me. And you, and you make a decision. And that's what the book of James is about. It's about making a decision. It was written by a man named James who was the half-brother of Jesus, half-brother because they had the same mama, but they had different daddies. And so Jesus, I mean, imagine that, your siblings, you say, well, yeah, my daddy's the, the God of the universe, yours is Joseph. <laughs> Too bad. But they grew up in the same household, and James, who was later, actually, as he committed his life to be a follower of Jesus, important to point out, he did not follow Jesus until after the resurrection. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. But after Jesus was alive, he then thought, I should probably pay attention to my brother. And he said, Jesus, I will follow you. And you find that after his resurrection, James became a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And he was writing this letter that we're in to Christians who were scattered around the Middle East. And so he was encouraging them and giving them instructions. And so I also want to thank Pastor Blake and Pastor Kurt for the last two messages they preached. And we give them a hand. You guys killed it. Well done. Really, really good. I was really encouraged by as I listened to those while we were gone. And, and uh, the week before last, Blake brought us up to, to, Pastor Blake brought us up to James chapter 3, all the way up to verse 12. We're going to be picking up in verse 13 today. And James starts talking about wisdom. It may seem like another topic, but really, you can determine, I want you to hear this for a, for a second, you can determine some, if someone has the right kind of wisdom by just listening to what they say. You can determine that. You can hear it in their, in their words and their, their choices of what they're saying. And have you ever wanted, I've always wanted to be the person that, who always said the right thing at the right moment, at the right time, who always had the right words, with the right tone, and when you opened your mouth, it was always a solution, it was always what was necessary, never too much, never, ne never, ne you know, never too little, it was always just the right amount. You, the words of your mouth would be like sweet honey rolling off the tip of your tongue, and, and people were always in awe at your wisdom, and they, before no, anyone ever made a decision, they thought, well, let me go ask so-and-so, because they are full of wisdom and insight. You always said the right thing at the right time. Anybody ever wanted to be that person? Man, I have. How many here have failed at that person? Yeah, yeah, me too. It's kind of like the, uh, um, <clears throat> the man who was working in the produce section over at King Supers. And a woman came up to him, he, the, <laughs> and she said this. She said, sir, can I buy a half a head of lettuce? And the worker said, well, I, I don't know. Let me see. So he starts walking around. He's looking, looking at every bin and every place. And so he, he can't find it. And he walks over to the manager. And he said, listen, th there's an idiot over there who wants to buy half a head of lettuce. And just at that time, he, he caught the woman out of the corner of his eye. And he realized the woman had been walking with him step for step as he was looking for this head of lettuce. And without skipping a beat, he said, there's an idiot over there who wants to buy half a head of lettuce. And this dear lady would like to buy the other half. 
Always the right words at the right time. I've always wanted that. The scripture says that when we possess the right kind of wisdom and follow the right kind of wisdom that's given to us by the Spirit of God and given to us by the Word of God, that we will demonstrate it by what we say, how we act, what our mindset is, how we respond to people, and how we live our lives. So we're going to be looking at wisdom today. And so we're going to pick up in James chapter 3, starting in verse 13, as we walk through this chapter 3. James writes this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. In other words, wisdom has, a, has, a, has a, an outcome in our lives. By deeds done, the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Because now he begins to talk about there are two types of wisdom. We're going to be talking about man's wisdom or mankind's wisdom or humankind's wisdom. I got a text after the first service and said, what about women's wisdom? And I was like, I was meaning mankind's wisdom. So just so we know that. So we're going to be talking about man's wisdom and God's wisdom. But he says this. He's talking about man's wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Now, he doesn't mess around, does he? For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. I want you, I want you to go home and read this actually later, James chapter 3, and, you, and, you, and ask yourself some questions as you walk through this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven meaning from God, is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. So today, we're talking about wisdom. You might think, Jason, I don't need wisdom. Why? I don't want to come. I, I, I need something in my life. But it isn't wisdom. I need God to do something. I need God to, to I need God to break through. I need God to give me a, a, an answer and put money in my, in my bank account or, put, or soften my heart or deal with this relationship I'm struggling. But here's the thing. I believe that there are people here today in this room that actually wisdom is the greatest need that you have. You think it's something else, but actually it is wisdom from God what you need facing this, the, the situation that you're in. Some of you are in a difficult time. And you're in the middle of a troubled situation. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a fi finances. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe you're here today. You're at the end of your rope. You don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you're at the fork, at a fork in the road. Maybe you're at four forks in the same road and you're thinking, what do I do? Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're in a dark season of your life. Maybe you have a lot of questions. It's at these moments. The question is not what is going on. The question that we need answered from God is, what do I do? Which road do I go down? Which door do I open? What decision do I make? How can I live my life differently than how I'm living it now? You need wisdom. You and I need wisdom from God on how to respond to these challenges, how to respond to the choices that are in front of us, how to live the life that you desire to, how to stop Things in your life that, uh, that you know shouldn't be there. And you've tried and you just can't overcome it. And I want you to know something today. You cannot do it without God's wisdom. And so we're going to look at this today. Many times life feels like you're, you're at a stoplight. And it's like every, all the lights are lit up at the same time. And you feel 
confused and you're receiving different signals because whether you realize it or not, we are receiving signals all the time from the world around us. And we're receiving signals from the Word of God, receiving signals from, from, the, from the world around us. We're receiving signals that are right, are wrong, and many times it feels like, which one do I follow? And I want you to leave today with this understanding of the difference between man's wisdom and God's wisdom from above. I want you to leave here today knowing that you're following the right signal because here's the reality, you're going to receive both signals in this world. So we could try to live our, just get in a little cave and, and live our lives and just sing kumbaya and shut the door and, and read the Bible all day long, but that's, that's not the reality. We live in the world. We're not of it, but we live in it. But we live in it to change it and transform it. That's why we live in it. We don't, we don't live in it to tolerate it. We live in it to change it and to make it better. And so what we're going to figure out today is which signal is God's signal. So let's contrast these two types of wisdom and finding true wisdom. And, you know, when you think of wisdom, you think of someone who is wise. You think of, of someone who maybe is an old sage and has a cane and a long beard. And you can ask them questions and they'll give you the answer. You think maybe a professor at a university or, or someone like that. But knowledge and wisdom are actually two totally different things. Knowledge is in the head, and wisdom is in the heart. A wise man will have knowledge, but just because a man has knowledge doesn't mean he has wisdom. You, you guys following me? So it, ta it takes knowledge to build a house. It takes wisdom to build a home. It took knowledge to build the, the, uh, the Titanic. It took some wisdom to try to avoid the iceberg, right? There's a difference. So this morning, it's a teaching. I'm going to walk through line by line of these passages from James chapter 3. And so the first one looking at, let's explore man's wisdom or man's knowledge. All of us have this type of wisdom. What we learned growing up, what we learned in school, what we learned from our parents, what we learned from situations we were in, experiences we had, and we have knowledge. You know, we, we know three plus three is six, and we know all of that. And, and, and not saying that all knowledge is bad, but when, when you get deeper into this, you're going to realize there is a philosophy and a system which man's knowledge comes from. And I want to talk to you about the origin of man's wisdom. James uses three words, and James, again, he doesn't mess around with his words. He's not, he's not out to please anybody. He's out to speak the truth. And this is what he, James says the origin of man's wisdom is. It is earthly or worldly. It is spiritual, or sorry, it's unspiritual, which another word um, actually that probably fits it better is this, that it's sensual. It's fleshly. And then he says this. Man's wisdom, the, where does it come from? It is demonic. It's demonic. So I want you to think about these three words for a second. James is not using these three words as a compliment to man's wisdom. He's not saying, oh, it's so good. It's, uh, it's, it's earthly and sensual and spiritual and demonic. He's not, he's not promoting man's wisdom. But what's interesting, if it, it wouldn't actually be uncommon for you to see these words in an advertisement for like women's perfume. So you begin to, to read the advertisement and you'd read these descriptions to, of this perfume. It is earthly, it is sensual, and it's devilish. 
And the husband's like, babe, you got to get some of that. That sounds really great. Or these words could, could, would describe a movie or, or something that it's worldly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. This is the basis of man's wisdom in our world. These are words in our culture that seem all right, but James describes them as they are not okay. And I want to first look at this word earthly or worldly. The word earthly here is describing that man's wisdom is rooted in earthly measurements. That's all it knows. It's earthly standards. It thinks only of this world. And there's a physical world we live in. And we see it and we experience it. But the Bible says that there is an invisible spiritual world around us that every one of you and we encounter every day. It is both. What this means and what James is talking to, remember, he's writing to people who, who are obeying and living under man's wisdom. And what he is telling them about, listen, guys, man's wisdom is earthly. In other words, they were allowing the world to influence their mindset, how they thought. They were allowing the world to influence them too much. And it was impacting them. For us as believers, here's, here's the point of this, is that we need to draw the line in the areas that we're allowing the world to influence how we think, how we live, how we process, what we allow to teach us. What areas are you allowing to influence you from the world that are rooted in the world? It might be the music you listen to. It might be movies. It might be friends. It might be the internet usage that you're participating in. It could be a lot of different things, but man's wisdom only operates in the arena of the world. And you can see that it does not consider the invisible world around. You can actually see this in schools, in professors, teachers actually. And I experienced this a lot when, when my wife and I lived in England that when you begin to share with them about a God who created the heavens and the earth, they will laugh in your face. They laugh at the idea that God is real, that God created. Books are written and, and are bestsellers that are called the God delusion. Man's wisdom, won't you hear this? It cannot imagine the reality of something they cannot see. They cannot, they cannot process outside of what they can see right in front of their faces. Most of our systems today are functioning within this realm, earthly, unspiritual, or sensual, and demonic. The second word that I want to look at, and the reason why I'm looking at each one of the words is because you, gotta, you have to uncover it to actually say, am, am I participating in man's wisdom in my life? The second word, that speaking of the origin of man's wisdom, it says it is unspiritual and it is sensual. Man's wisdom operates only in the arena of our five senses, our sensual senses. What we can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. Man's wisdom says this, you can trust your feelings. Can I just be honest with you for a second? You can't trust your feelings. You just can't. Because they're, they're tossed around, they're they're. they're they're impacted. Your feelings will lie to you. The world says if it feels good, you should do it. If you think it's your right, you should participate in it. And how many here, we could admit, you don't have to, but your feelings are not a good bar barometer, a barometer 
of truth. We, we would know that. It's just not. That we don't, as Paul says, that he doesn't live by feelings, but we live by principles. Paul says, as I make my body, I buffet my body, I, I beat my body to line up with what is true, not what I always feel. And we get our truth from the Word of God, and we get our truth from, from what we know and what His Spirit speaks to us. Man's wisdom makes all decisions based off of input received from these five senses. And when we're making decisions from these five senses, we are pulled every direction, every different direction. And we feel out of control. And you feel like, I, I thought it was this, but now it's this. And you have no peace in any decisions that you're making. And our, our senses that we have, are the, it is the restrictions to man's wisdom. It cannot process outside of those senses. But here's the wonderful thing. And this is what you and I, which we're going to hear about more in just a moment. God's wisdom is not restricted to our senses. It doesn't make decisions or lead us in the pathway in which we can always see, taste, smell, hear. And he offers wisdom to us, which is not of this world. And I'm so grateful for that. The third word that James begins to talk about, the origin of man's wisdom is this word demonic. Now, that's a bit of a strong word, isn't it? You're like, wow, Jason. We're the, the, the demonic? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, it is. Listen, it's been three weeks since I've preached, so I thought I'd come back and talk about the demonic. I think it's great. The devil is very sly. He's sneaky. He's the greatest con artist of all times. He takes everything that God makes to be pure and holy and he perverts it. He perverts it means, meaning he makes it the wrong version. Just like he came to Eve in the garden and God had provided for Adam and Eve in the garden everything they needed, perfect environment. I mean, everything could sustain them. Everything they needed. The devil came to Eve and said, just so you know, Eve, you're missing something. Don't you know that? You're missing something. You're not getting everything that's available to you. You could have more. Do you know that, Eve? Does that sound familiar to how the enemy tempts us in our own lives? Actually, God's ways aren't satisfying. God's ways are restrictive to you. God's ways, actually, God's hiding a little something from you. There's a little something, something over here that would really make you experience life. This is what, and, and what is the root of all of that? It's the same thing it was in the garden. It's demonic. It's from the devil. And he convinced Eve. He convinced her that actually that fruit is really what she wants. And that actually if you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. You really experience what you're really looking for. If you just taste of it, if you just, just, just give in to it just a little bit. This is the same lie that the devil tells us today. This is man's wisdom. There's actually more for you. God's ways are not enough for you. They limit you. They're, God's ways are keeping you from what you really want. And this is what James is talking about. These people in the churches were giving in to man's wisdom. And I would say the same happens and is happening today in our own churches. Operating in man's wisdom is fueled by the devil. Do you know why? Because it's to accomplish the devil's will for your life. To kill, steal, and destroy. 
It does not consider God's virtues. It does not consider God's character. It does not consider God's, the truth of God's word. So this is the origin of man's wisdom. Now I want to look at the operation of man's wisdom in our lives. How does it operate? And we find this in verse 14. James says this, but if you harbor, this is the operation of it, bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. And these are, these are the things that are the operation of man's wisdom, envy, selfish ambition, and boasting. This is the operation of it. This is what it looks like. First, let me check with you just for a second. If you're, let me ask you a question if you're operating a man's wisdom in the area of envy. Let me ask you a question. Is there jealousy in your life? Is there any area in your life that there's jealousy? Are there people that when something good happens to them, it just eats you up on the inside? You hear about them getting an opportunity, or you see a post on Facebook, and you, man, it just, uh, it just gets you. And maybe, maybe even if they have an opportunity, there's something inside of you that secretly no one else knows. You're wishing and hoping that they fail. Or what happens when someone you know gets recognized, and when they get recognized, it just gets up in your crawl. That's a southern thing. I apologize for that one. It just gets up in there. Just starts to eat you from the inside. And you begin to run the list of why they really don't need to be recognized, why they really don't need that opportunity, why really you're probably better. Or let me ask you this. When, when you see someone that drives a nicer car than you, do you feel your heart just get a little nasty towards them? And I'll tell you this, in the context of, of church work, which is where it's my vocation. Now listen, I, I, I want to always clarify this. I don't believe that there's such a thing as, as vocation, sacred and secular. I don't believe that. I believe everything that we do is for the glory of God. I believe we were called to transform the areas of our world, wherever you work, wherever I work, whatever it is. This is what I'm called to do. What you were called to do is what God's called you to do. My job is not better than your job. We're all called to honor God in everything that we do. Amen? Okay. But my context of church and those who work and serve in churches, many times I've found they can be the most jealous people there are. Pastors struggle with jealousy and envy. Church down the road is bigger that conference invited this pastor to speak, and they didn't invite me. Oh, I know this person. Do you know that person? Staff is bigger. Staff is better. You're more well-known. And whatever we do, whatever field God has called you to be in, I guarantee you there is jealousy and envy there too. This is the operation of man's wisdom because it's, it's origin. And secondly, I want to talk about James says that man's wisdom, its origin, or sorry, its operation, is of selfish ambition. And again, we're looking at these because you need to ask the question. You and I both need to ask the question, are, is man's wisdom impacting me and how I process in my life and how I think through? Let me, let me talk about this one for a moment. Everybody still with me today? 
Everyone say maturity. Listen, maturity takes some pain. So our vision is to become mature. So if that's our vision, then it gives our pain a purpose. So I hope you see your pain purposeful today. So James is talking about selfish ambition. This is, this is the, the, uh, the operation of man's wisdom. Now, a good way of saying this is that it's all about me. And it's all about what I think. It's all about me. Selfish ambition. My position. What about me? What I want. What serves me. It doesn't matter if it helps someone else. Does it help me? Selfish ambition would, would and I just want to say, I'm not trying to be mean this morning, would be when we showed this number of 102,000 up here, you thought, yeah, but I have needs. It's all about me. James is saying the root of man's wisdom is from the one whose own pride wanted his own way and rebelled against God in heaven, and that is Satan. Satan, listen to this, Satan had an issue with everybody worshiping God and not showing him much attention. He was a bit of a baby, wasn't he? <laughs> what about me? Well, I, I know God's great, but I'm, I'm good too. And we live in an age where everyone, I want to, I, this, is, this is so true, Everyone has an issue with something or somebody. People are ripping people up one side and down another on social media. I mean ripping into people they've never even met. And there are, what I would call, there are a bunch of haters out there. Just hating on people. Everybody's got an attitude about something. Because I don't like it, so huh. I'm going to jump on my platform that, get, that has no accountability, and I'm going to just, I'm going to write about you on Facebook. Listen, first and foremost to the haters, chill out. <laughs> Go get some ice cream and take a deep breath. Put some sprinkles on top. You'll be a happy person. I mean, we live in a world everybody is offended about something. I think church people can be one of the easiest people to offend. You hear stories of all the time of church people getting so offended because something changed on stage or they didn't like something. No, I, I promise you this. This church will not be perfect. I promise you this. There will be things that happen in this church that you don't like. I promise you this. I know that there will be things that happen in our church that I don't like. But it's a It's a preference. It's not a theology thing. But some can get so offended. And you see it in churches. I, I, my context of church, man, I've, I've been in all types of churches and had the privilege of serving in all types of churches. I've had the privilege of, of serving in the area of music. And you want to talk about a hot button for church folk? My music, my worship. Man, they get so upset. I mean, if you change something in church, something happens to church people. It's, it's like you've committed the abomination of desolation, and they're ready to, just, to just, just kick you out. Or they won't tell you to the face, but they'll tell three other people. And hopefully those other people will come around and tell you. And then you tell them, have you met, read Matthew 18? It says if you have a problem with somebody, actually go to them. 
But here's, here's this idea. Everybody is offended by something. It's all right to be offended. Man's, why? Because it's about me. Because man's wisdom is mo- motivated by Satan. And it is fueled of selfish ambition. What about me? You know, we, we want to reach new families in our community, but what about my family? That's your first reaction. I agree. All of our families are important. But what, why do we exist as a church? We exist. Everything we do is directed by the great commandment to love God and love others and the great commission. You reach the lost and make disciples. Say amen to that for me. Okay, good, good. That's everything we do. And we are a family, and we're called to take care of the family. My job as a shepherd is called to pastor and shepherd. Our, our pastor's here. Our job is to take care of you. That is first and foremost on our minds. I want you to know that. How do we take care of you? What can we offer so that you can grow in your relationship with Christ? But also on the same hand, our other job of the Great Commission is reach the lost. Reach people. And that we, not, it's not the pastor's job to reach the, to reach the lost. This is a little side note for my message. My, it's, it's our job together as a family to represent Jesus and reach the lost and bring them hope. When people step foot, when we gather and worship, they are, in, they, are, they are impacted by the presence of God. When you walk into your business, there's something different about you because you function in God's wisdom, not man's wisdom. How about this? Let's not be the ones to be offended. Let's not, let's not be like that. Not here. Not in our church. Not in our families. Not in our lives. How about this? Let's be different than the world. Amen? All right. Great. Amen. Then the last word of the operation of man's wisdom that James is talking about is it's boasting. How can you tell the difference between man's wisdom and God's wisdom is that man's wisdom always boasts. Man's wisdom says, look at me. Look at how many degrees I have. Look at how smart I am. Look at my success. But God's wisdom is always on the basis of purity, on humility, and meekness. That everything we do, success or not success, it doesn't matter, is to bring glory and honor to God. Finally, with man's wisdom, the outcome of man's wisdom. Is verse 16 says this. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. These two words are, can be sorted up in this, disorder and confusion. Let me ask you a question. Do these two words describe your life right now? Do they describe how you're feeling about decisions you're facing? Do you feel like everything is, that's not nailed down in your life is, seems to be moving? You can't grab a hold on it? Do you, do, do you have confusion in your heart and confusion in your mind? And Are you facing a decision you just don't know which way is up? Does it seem like you can't get a handle on your life, on your emotions? Do you feel like every horizontal surface of your life is cluttered and it's just, you're, you're claustrophobic with everything that's around you? Is your mind going a million miles a minute and you're paralyzed by indecision? I want you to think about for a moment your home. Your relationships, this is where this man's wisdom is, is mostly manifested and the operation of it is. We're living our relationships. In many of our relationships here, we're living them out in chaos and disorder and every evil practice. I will tell you this, guys. God has more for you. 
God has more for you and where you're living and what's going on. Listen, it's time for us to change. We don't, we're not going to live in man's wisdom. Our church and our people and who we are, let's make the commitment together as a family. We're going to live in God's wisdom. We don't want disorder. We don't want chaos. We don't want evil practice. And you can see this in relationships where there's fighting and there's, there's frustration. There's never peace. It's and it's happening all the time. You say, pass the salt, and well, what, you can't you get your own salt? What's your problem? Well, you always ask me to pass the salt. How about this? We just put the salt next to you. Who are you, the owner of the salt? Knock it off. <laughs> Let's be a people that look different than the world. It's kind of like the, uh, the three men who, who decided to take the, the world's pathway into sorting out their, uh, their marriage, and they decided to go to a seminar. They were three husbands, and they, uh, they wanted to get man's wisdom on how to get their wives in line. You're like, how's he going to finish this one? <laughs> they went to the seminar, and they came back, <laughs> and they got together a couple weeks later, and each, each one told his own journey, and one said, well, you know, I went home, and I said, listen, things are going to change around here. He said, I, he said, I didn't see anything the first day or the second day, but, uh, but, by, the, but by the third day, things were starting to, to line up. They said, oh, wow. Second man said, well, it was kind of the same for me. First day, nothing. Second day, nothing. But third day, she was, she was starting to, you know, to, to, to sort out the way I wanted her to. The third guy said, yeah, um, for me, I, 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 the same way, I couldn't see anything the first day. I couldn't see anything the second day. But, but by the third day, I could start to see a little bit out of my right eye. I was... <laughs> that's funny. Come on, that's funny. <laughs> but this is what happens when you're relying on man's wisdom. Disorder and confusion. But look at what comes from God. 1 Corinthians 14.33. There it is. For God is not the author of what? Confusion. But of peace. Peace. This is what God offers us when we walk in his way. Confusion comes when we're receiving mixed signals and we're, we're, we're trying to figure out which one we're going to follow. And we follow the wrong one and, and, and we're, we're struggling and we're trying to figure it all out. And this is where some of you are today. That man's wisdom has, has infiltrated your life and it's telling you how you should act, how you should think, how you should talk, the lifestyle you should live. But we need to be on guard. We need to be on guard as believers in, in the world. Because there is a philosophy in our world that is messing people up. There is disorder of every evil practice. You don't have to look far to find it. And the world is boasting with its chest out about what it has declared as right is right. And we're getting that signal. We're thinking, is that right? Maybe, maybe that's what it means to love. Maybe that's what it means. You just, you just accept all things. And, and maybe that's, and so we begin to get confused. I will tell you this. It's time for us as a church to say no. It's time for us as a church to, to draw a line in the sand and say, listen, we're going to stay true to God's way. We're going to stay true to God's word. We're going to follow God's signal. We're going to follow God's word. Amen. That's why Proverbs 14, 12 says, you don't have it on your notes. It says, there is a way that appears to be right to a man, but in the end, it leads to what? It leads to death. Man's wisdom 
God's wisdom. Man's wisdom is destroying marriages, destroying lives, destroying minds, destroying everything around us. When man's wisdom is played out, and it will be, there will be fruit from it. And it will happen. And it's at the stoplight of man's wisdom and God's wisdom that you and I are going to make a choice. And today we're going to choose the second one. We're going to choose the master's wisdom. This is the wisdom that comes from God. Now, there's wisdom from below and there's wisdom from above. And you can, you can distinguish these two. But I want you to look at the origin of God's wisdom. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. This simply means that God is the originator of true wisdom. He's the originator of God's wisdom, of true wisdom. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and the Holy Spirit leads us, and God's Word guides us because we read it, it forms what we believe. And so as we begin to move forward, we know that God is the giver of true wisdom. I'll never forget, I was at a conference, and... Um, and I was talking with a guy backstage who was helping out, and, and he was telling me, and I was, hey, how are you doing? What's God doing in your life? He was talking to me, and he said, you know, I just had a great place of victory. God's just really, he's really given me peace for me to leave my wife. I said, excuse me? It was like the record scratch, like, Rrr. I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, we've been, we've been struggling and, and we've been fighting and, and God, just, God just, I was praying, God, I just need peace. And I was praying and God just gave me the peace to, for, to divorce my wife. Excuse me? And I said, listen, man, um, I, I need to tell you something. That wasn't God's voice. That was not God's voice. Basically, what it was is you didn't want to go through the pain and the hard work it takes to repair your relationship, so you just hit the eject button. The Word of God is very clear that that is not His plan for marriage. So that wasn't God's voice. What was He operating under? He was operating under man's wisdom, what He could feel, touch, sense. Therefore, He thought, well, it feels right. It must be okay to do it. The Master's wisdom. Always aligns with the Word. What the Holy Spirit speaks and what the Word says is always in unity. They never contradict each other. And then the operation of God's wisdom in our life. How do God's wisdom function in our lives? What are the characteristics of God's wisdom in our lives? Now these are, I'm going to walk through this and James lays these out. It's very important. You're going to see these and you're going to say, I don't measure up to this. I'm going to say, you're right, neither do I. But we need the grace of God and God's wisdom to help us live these out in our lives. The first one is this, which all of these come from verse 17. But the first one is this, God's wisdom is pure. And what, what the reality, what's this saying is God is calling you to a pure life. What area of your life is lacking purity? If, if, if it is lacking purity, you are not walking in God's wisdom in that area. Secondly, it's peace-loving. It's not a troublemaker. It's not trying to stir things up and just get people and frustrate people. We're quarreling over silly stuff, and we're seeking, we're going to seek unity. We're not going to try to find a way to get out of the relationship. We're going to try to find a way to bring unity to the relationship. We're not going to try to find the little things that, that help us hit the eject button. We're going to find ways that, that help us to press in and build unity. Because the love of God that we would have for one another would tell the world that what Jesus said was actually true. And he's the son of God that came to save us, to save the lost, and to heal the broken. God's wisdom in our op operating in our lives is considerate. It's gentle. 
It's kind. You don't know what people are going through and you consider that. You don't, you don't respond to people. You, you, you're considerate of them. Another manifestation of God's wisdom in our lives is it's called submission. Or basically just this willing to yield to another person's position. Willing to be wrong. Willing to listen to another person. Fifth one is this, is that it's full of mercy. Man's wisdom is envious. It's jealous. It's degrading. It's hostile. I want you to hear about, listen to this. Love keeps no record of wrong. Full of mercy. And I, listen, all of, us, all of us are like, wow, I, I, I need the change in this area. Heard a story of a, of a guy, and he was talking about how uh, him and his wife were, got into a fight. And he was talking with his friends, and he said, listen, my life, or my wife, we were, we were fighting, and man, she was, she was, his, she was historical. I mean, they said, you mean hysterical? They said, no, she was historical. She kept bringing up everything I'd ever done, and she didn't forget anything. Listen, love, <laughs> that's funny too, okay? I just said. <laughs> And husbands, you do the same thing, and you know that. And, fr- and single people in your relationships and your friendships, you do the same thing, and you know it. We keep records of wrong. God's wisdom is you're full of mercy. You release. You believe the best about people. Also, your, God's wisdom is full of good fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. Number seven, it's impartial. We've already talked about it. It doesn't show favoritism to, 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 to help you out. It is impartial. And the last one is this. God's wisdom is sincere. It's sincere. I think for us as in, in church and, and what God's doing here at our church, here's the question. Can we just be real? When we wake up on Sunday morning and we, we pull out our, our church mask and we just, you know, just pop that on and, and we show up and everything is good and everything looks good, great and we, we're dying on the inside and we come to a place of family and people who love you and, and folks who want to pray with you and help you get breakthrough in your life and, and just stand with you even when you can't stand yourself that people stand with you there was moments in, in our lives and Cheryl and I's lives that we were, we, were, we were trying to work things out and you're we were so exhausted mentally, we couldn't even, it was hard to even pray ourselves. Have you ever been there? Like, what? I, I don't even know what to pray. And we people come along and, and, and say, let us pray for you. Why? Why were they able to do that? Because we were real. We said, I need some help over here. Can, this is God's will. Can we be real? Can, when we come to, can we be a church that's okay with being actually who we are? When you come to church, you come because we need each other, because we need God, because we're broken, because we're struggling, because we, there are areas of our lives that we don't have victory on. There's an addiction. We, we, we need some prayer on it, and our, our marriage is struggling, and, and I don't know where to go to college, and I, I'm confused, and, and this happened to me the other night, or I was at a party, and I shouldn't have been there, or whatever it may be, and I, I need someone to pray for me because I, I made some mistakes. And Can we be real? 
God wants us to be a church that's sincere. And he wants you to be sincere. And lastly is this, the outcome of God's wisdom. In other words, what does it produce in our lives? Peace and righteousness. Man, I'll take some of that. Peace and righteousness. And you can find this in verse 18. But, so as, as we've looked at these contrasts this morning, I think it's obvious which, <laughs> which wisdom you want in your life, isn't it? No one wants disorder. No one wants confusion. All of us desire peace and righteousness. All of us want that. God's wisdom often asks you to believe things that you can't see. To believe the best of a person that you can't see the good with your own eyes. But God's wisdom says believe the best. God, God's wisdom often asks you to do things that, 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 that you can't hear, you can't smell, you can't taste. It, it's, it's, it's contrary to actually what this wants to do. The bottom line of walking in this wisdom and following the principles of Scripture is this. Relying on the grace of God and being humble enough to say, God, I need your help. I want to walk in your wisdom. I want to walk in your plan. I admit and I confess I have not been doing that. The work, everything you need is found in the work of Jesus Christ. So how do I obtain it? How do I obtain what this wisdom? There's a story when God comes to Solomon. And he says, Solomon, what do you want? Now imagine this. God came to you and gave you a blank check. You say, you just write whatever you want. Just, just write it. Wow. Solomon wrote wisdom on his blank check. And because Solomon chose wisdom, God gave him everything else he needed. And here's the reality. God has given you a blank check. And you can write whatever you want on there, but it's going to bounce. There's one word that you can write on this check, and he will answer it. And you might be thinking, Jason, I'm facing so many things today. I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to do it. I, I'm at a loss. I, I'm at a fork in the road. I, 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 and I saw those, that list of things that God's wisdom. I, I don't have hardly any of those. I'm struggling with all of those. So what do I do? And Great. Thanks, Jason, for pointing everything out that I'm not this morning. Listen, this is why it's what's called growing in our faith. But James gives us the answer. How do you obtain that which you know you lack? One, you have to admit you lack it. And now, I'm, this is complicated, what I'm about to tell you. So I want you to, I want you to, to hear what James says. When you, are, when, you are, when you realize you're operating in man's wisdom, and when you realize you need God's wisdom, this is how you get it. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously 
to all without finding fault. He, he's not saying, don't you ask me for wisdom. You got stuff messed up in your life. No, no, you get your life straight, then come to me and ask me for wisdom. No, no, that's not what God says. He says, you come to me, ask me for wisdom, and I, I will give it to you without finding fault. And it will be given to you. This takes, right here, this takes humility, it takes submission, and it takes to say, God, I need your help. That's what James is writing to this church. There are areas of our lives that we need God to do something. We need God to change us. We need God to transform us. What do we do? We ask him by faith that he would give us his wisdom. And he will generously give it to us because he's a good God, because he loves you, because he cares for you, because he wants you to walk in his peace and righteousness and love and all those things that we listed. And so we're going to ask him this morning. If you can, let's stand to our feet. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.